What's up, good people of the Illuminati? My name's Beefy, I'm your faithful chairman of the board, and I'd like to welcome you back to the Shade Chamber. You may have noticed in the past couple episodes, we've mostly been recapping lore and the writing of Genshin, and that's been really fun, but it's not why we made this podcast. So this episode, we're going to get back to our roots and actually have a discussion about Genshin as a piece of game design and a product of the gaming industry. This also happens to be our first collab episode, and we are so excited to bring you Aster from Chill with Aster as our very first guest in the Shade Chamber. As far as Genshin itself goes right now, we're kind of in a dead zone between regions, so right now is the perfect time to give us feedback. Tell us what you'd like us to cover. Let us know what you enjoyed hearing about, or maybe something you'd like explained in greater detail. Maybe you just want to tell us what sucked and that you never want to hear us do again. You can leave us feedback in the comments of the YouTube video, at our Twitter account, at ShadeChamberPod, or email at mailbox at ShadeChamberPodcast.com. Just a heads up, in this episode we will be talking about addiction as it pertains to video games, gacha games, and gambling. And this is a serious topic. The disclaimer card we show before every episode warning listeners about Genshin's addictive mechanics and gambling system. That's not a joke. Genshin is not for everybody. And if there's any chance that playing it could get you into trouble, don't play it. It's not worth it. Tune into our podcast and listen to us and Aster talk about it instead. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the discussion. We had an absolute blast recording it and our guest only got kidnapped twice. Also, my lawyer has advised me to read this. Disclaimer, the following content is for entertainment purposes only. No allegations are intended towards Hoyoverse, the creators of Genshin Impact, or Jennifer Shin, the creator of Genshin Impact. Any comments resembling accusations or criticism are satirical and should not be taken seriously. The Shade Chamber offers their utmost respect and gratitude to Hoyoverse and Miss Shin, and thanks them for their understanding. Enjoy the episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, good people of the Illuminati, we're glad you tuned into this episode because we are so fortunate to have our first ever special guest. The Churlmen of the Board are honored to host Aster of Chill with Aster fame with us in the Shade Chamber tonight. So if you're like us and you're a big fan of what the YouTube algorithm calls listenable videos, then our guest needs little introduction. Aster has been a powerhouse Genshin lore tuber and video essayist for the past several years. Aster, why don't you, in your own words, tell us a bit about yourself and your work? Oh boy, here's my character introduction. Hi, I'm Aster. I do Genshin lore stuff or just random video essays of what I like. And that's about it, honestly. And they're good, too. That's why we're so surprised she's here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. We are so happy to have you. We've all been really looking forward to the discussion that we're going to have tonight. You've heard as well. So basically, aside from doing these kind of lore musings, video essays, deep dives, and just kind of chronicling what's going on with Genshin, you've been doing some stuff around fandom studies, and you wrote a thesis from your experience as a Genshin content creator. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We thought it'd be a really cool opportunity to check in what you found about Genshin as a phenomenon through the lens of someone who's been really immersed in the culture. This thesis that we're talking about tonight has a specific focus. I'll let you kind of describe it. The thesis that I basically made was about the relationship of Genshin's gambling mechanics and basically how it can pull or entice the audiences into pulling more for Genshin. And basically it's the relationship of that and real life casino mechanics. There is so much to unpack there. Like Genshin and its business model are not an anomaly. They go way back from things like casinos to video games as a whole to 
what gotcha games have become for the past several years to social media itself to parasocial relationships with these characters and it sounds like your thesis has kind of covered like all of these things and so we're eager to talk about them in turn was there anything that was like a real standout or a surprise to you in your in your findings uh I found that, what do you call this, because I used to praise Genshin for being one of the games that was really free, especially in a time <laughs> of like, <laughs> especially in a time where everything is kind of locked behind a paywall. So when I was playing Genshin first, before doing this thesis, I was like, wow, everything is, everything is unlockable and I don't have to pay anything. And then I started reading about freemium stuff and I just went, oh, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> That's how they get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> yeah, freemium, maybe not freemium, but microtransactions have been a proud staple of predatory video game sales practices pretty much since the beginning of the medium. Like, going back to the quarter munchers, you know, people pouring their savings into one more round of Space Invader through subscription-based games like World of Warcraft, to the Facebook games that would evolve into the phone games, the gotcha games, and then finally Genshin today. It comes from a, a long, proud lineage of shaking people out of their money, and there's a lot of contributing factors to that, that, that video games and gambling systems are both really good at tapping into, as it turns out. We are going to be delving into a lot of talk about addiction and stuff, because that's what we're dealing with here. And the mechanisms that foster addiction are also the ones that generate tons and tons of money for Genshin. The dissonance between its quality and its payment model is frankly why we made this podcast, because we have never seen anything <laughs> so good come from a model that's so trashy. So the first tool that Genshin can use to encourage its player base to play more and spend money on it is Genshin's game design itself. It's like, people can get addicted to literally anything. Our brains are really good at getting addicted to stuff, especially if they make us feel good. Video games make us feel super good. And so when we're playing a game and we're getting that perfect feedback loop of challenge and reward, that puts our brains in what's called the flow state and our brains will do anything to stay in that flow state. And so, like, literally having a character demo of a character that feels good is what's gonna get people to buy in. Yeah, and those demos are really oriented towards engendering that feeling because uh, typically the characters are over-leveled, over-equipped, and fighting under-leveled enemies during them. <laughs> Lately, they'll have those, like, combat events where you can demo a character but use them in your party. That's actually yeah. why I rolled for Yelon, because I wasn't going to, but then I used her in that combat event, and I saw my Raiden do the big number, and I was like, okay, yes, <laughs> I like that. Mind control. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Free thinkers when they see a big number. <laughs> I'm out of the system, sees Yelon. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Brig. Brig sees Yelon. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I see Yelon, I'm like, uh. I'd see the number, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously, making a game that feels good is a way that game designers get players to engage and spend on their product. But they have other tricks as well. 
And one of the most notorious free-to-play game mechanics that you also see in Genshin is, of course, time gating. So for Genshin, you have all these things that are on a limited timer, stuff like enemy drops, resin. Domains, yeah. Yeah. There is nothing, like, more free-to-play stank than a cooldown timer. Genshin does a good job hiding those, but they are there. You have some kind of token that replenishes over time, and when that counts down, you cannot do anything. Yeah, like you can still play the rest of the game and like play events and like explore and do all the normal gamey stuff. But when it comes to actually like leveling your character that is on a timer, like a really explicit timer. It is shockingly lenient of Genshin as a gacha game to allow you to play through like the big meat content, the stories, the Archon quests for free. You don't burn resin. Like if this was something like a quintessential gacha game like Fate Grand Order, like you would still have to pay your time gate currency. To do the main quest, yeah. 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 I mean, the other like... sneaky way that Genshin kind of does time gate you is that not all of the chests spawn at once. Oh, yeah. That is a big factor when you're, like, going through early game. Yeah, so but just for exploration purposes, it's like, well, there is replay value in quotes because the game just doesn't let you access all of the available content. So as a game developer, when you're putting a time gate on what your player can do in the game, you're doing two things to encourage spending. Number one, of course, you are going to get some people who do succumb to their impatience and use their premium currency to bypass the time gate. But number two, the main goal is you're creating player retention because by cutting them off, you're giving them a reason to keep coming back over time. Tying this back to casino mechanics, it, it is a little bit like kind of loss mitigation policies, specifically like riverboat casinos ran in like the early 1900s, where the idea was there was a maximum amount of money that a guest could lose before you cut them off. While it seems like it would discourage you from gambling too much, it actually creates an environment where you're more willing to return to it. Because then they could say, oh, well, you know, I only lost like $500 yesterday. That's not a lot of money compared to what I was willing to put down or what I could stand to gain if I continue to gamble because then your loss is spread out over days or however long the interval is which just gives your brain more time to abstract it mm -hmm. aster tell us about casinos all right which part of casinos though there's so much to start from. Like, I guess, the abstraction of currency. Currency is a really good place to start. You know how we don't use our money? Like, what do you call this? We don't use our money when in the casino. We usually exchange it for, like, tokens, chips, um, even, like, regular arcade games do this. Oh, yeah, the abstraction totally. of currency is really important yeah. because it, it starts to get people thinking that they're not really spending a lot until they actually look at their physical money on their wallet or their bank accounts as, like, Oh. Oh. And, oh. <laughs> and nobody's looking at their bank account at a casino until the very beginning or the very end. Yes. They want to stay in that zone with the magic fake money, with their battle bucks, and have a good time. Yeah. Does layering the level of abstraction, like, change anything? Because you're not just exchanging your currency once, but usually it's twice. Yeah, it's a couple times. And yeah, Genshin yeah. is technically yeah. free. Because you have the Genesis Crystals into the Primo Gems, into the Intertwined Fates, into uh, the characters. Yeah. Uh, like, it's not a completely trans- like, it's not a completely 100% foolproof, ooh, mental hack, but there is a level gotcha of- Gacha Games hate this! Gacha Games hate this! <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to reveal, if I- if I disappear soon, ah, they got me. But- 
Oh, no. <laughs> if Jennifer Shin comes and takes you back to MiHoYo HQ in her big white fan. <laughs> if I, if well, this is the last recording of where I, of my whereabouts, please don't, well, don't delete. Worry, uh, it'll take us four months to edit it, <laughs> and no one will ever see. <laughs> so it's not a completely foolproof psychology, of course. Like not everyone buys into it, but because you know it's a it's a digital game because we always need to convert real-life currency to digital currency. But the more layers that you add that separates your money and the in-game money, it starts to feel like you're not really spending a lot. Because you know how Primo gems that we buy merge with the Primo gems that we earn, like mm. as a free to play, for example. Right. That's a really right? good point. Yeah. That further so, just kind of abstracts it. Mm -hmm, so it's like an, in a pool and you don't really notice that you're already spending so much money because once that pool goes to zero, your first instinct is I need more Primo gems and not that I'm using like 100 USD yeah. <laughs> on my account. <laughs> the point about it merging into the pool of the Primo gems you got for free is a really interesting one because it kind of reminds me that some gacha games will sort of separate out their paid currency versus your free currency but that's because they want to like put out like a banner that's paid currency only or something yeah right. you look at any like shitty mobile game and it's always the treasure chest with the gold coins that's usually what you can earn in the game and then like the stupid purple gem and those are the premium oh ones. true it's always the gems for some reason it's always gems and then, <laughs> so genshin's like what if we told you that the stuff you earn in the game and the stuff you buy is the same. I also kind of wonder if some of the um, the currency obfuscation is, I guess, in any way like a useful fig leaf for like circumventing anti-gambling laws, for oh. example. Oh, like that's if, interesting. Like, oh, like the pachinko payout stuff. Yeah, because like, like I, I mean, I don't know if this is still true of like current pachinko, but like you would hear stories about like back in the day, like yeah, like you wanted to play pachinko, like you won X number of like the pachinko balls or something and you exchange them for like socks or something and you take them to, to yeah. the store next door yeah. who just so conveniently really wanted to buy those socks from you and would give you real money for them <laughs> yeah that, that's that's legitimately the reason why in like the uh you know like pokemon red uh red and blue there's like the rocket game corner and then there the exchange building is the building next door like it's a facsimile of that exact setup yeah now we have this all in line in an in-game store I think it also really helps the obfuscation that the conversion rates are really weird. It's a weird conversion rate from real money into Genesis Crystals, then it's one-to-one -one into Primo Gems, but then it's 160 Primo Gems for a roll. Not 150, because you could do that mental math, mm. but, but 160 is weird enough where your brain just kind of glosses over. It's like, ah, oh, okay, whatever. There's also a really good study, I just can't cite it like from the top of my head, that um, the difference between uh, digital currency like this versus like real-life currency is that it's so much easier to manipulate the supply of digital currency because, let's be honest, what, are, what do they really have? It's primo gems. It's not like real money that's equated to anything, mm. right? So the economics is technically it's so much easier for them to manipulate it if they want to do so. Yeah, like... All the prices they set are just things they made up. Yeah. Genshin has never adjusted its exchange rates. It, like, they kind of got it in one. It, now, they're going off of literally decades of market research. I don't know. It, it is crazy. It's like, we're going to stake 
the lifespan of our multi-year live service game on getting this payment model right in one, and like they did, because people are paying for Genshin. But we forgot to talk about something that's pretty dang important in the context of Genshin, and that is pity. So I'm a Welkin player, which means I spend about $5 a month. This is by far the best value in terms of how many Primo gems you get for your money spent. When I'm saying I pay $5 a month to play Genshin, I think of it as, I mean, yes, obviously I'm rolling a slot machine, but I never assume that I'm going to get anything before pity. I'm like, I'm paying my subscription to this game, and I'm plunking coins in a bucket, and eventually I'll be able to cash those all in to get the character I want, but I have to plan, I have to time it. And so that is something that is very different from gambling, which is all in, in the moment, compulsive. The weird thing about pity is that it's a pretty double-edged sword from a consumer's perspective. Because like on one hand, it's tech like technically they could use it as a way to say it's not gambling when there's a pity system because technically all characters have a price tag. You can get a rare five star guaranteed for twenty-five thousand six hundred primo jumps, for example. Unlike actual gambling that has no pity and you don't get anything from it because technically you can say that it's not gambling because we get uh, consolation prices through the three stars or the four stars, which is also very dangerous. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of justifications we tell ourselves when we play Genshin. Right? That's definitely one of yeah. them. Yeah. But the way that gacha systems are created is that they are also intentionally trying to step around what is usually called gambling especially by legal terms, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we don't talk about that one. But the, ad the addition of consolation prizes are super big that quote-unquote differentiated from gambling and the addition of a pity system. On the other hand, I feel like the pity system is also a really, really bad thing for the consumers because you start to think, oh, just a few more and I'll mm -hmm. get my pity, right? So <laughs> it's a lose-lose, mm -hmm. technically. Yes, it's like... It has removed and also doubled down on the sunk cost fallacy. If you've planned your pity window, good for you. But if you're like me and you were kind of lackadaisical on your Welkins and then Nahida comes out and you decide, oh, you like her, but you are just this close, then you make a dumb decision and you pay the exorbitant immediate <laughs> Primo Gem conversion fee for your money. Yeah, it's, it's either like, you know, structured like two months worth of basically video game in-game work to guarantee you know getting a pity with like welkin and with the battle pass and every other primo gem system that they throw at you or it's make a snap judgment and then spend extra money just to you know have a shot at grabbing this character yeah for you know for the whales these are usually like people working in high-end jobs who have much more disposable income and and way less time and for them, it's a worthwhile exchange for the enjoyment that they get out of it. But, like, we can't all be like that. Mm -hmm. So jumping back to casino mechanics in games, do we want to talk a little bit about, like, rolling animations and how that's meant to mimic slot machine anticipation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how calculated every single part of the rolling experience is audiovisually in a gacha game, especially in Genshin, it is perfectly designed. To get you into that candy store you go to the roll screen 
you see this heavenly backdrop and what do you hear you hear a voice literally going like ooh <laughs> like actually <laughs> like you want this you want this right it's just the angelic choir it is the goofiest thing if you stop and think about it it is so corny and it's great just onto something with that yeah, <laughs> they know what they're doing because in the arcades and the casinos, they have what's called attract mode, and they set the machines to display stuff that is designed to entice you. And it's like, yeah, come on, come on, it's right there, you want it, you want it, you want it. <laughs> and the banners in the rolling screen are meant to show, like, the prizes you could win at this casino, because a lot of casinos also prominently display things like cars or... Gym luxury hotel. goods. Gym hotel. Exactly. <laughs> They're meant to show like luxury goods on display that like the implication is that oh you could own these or win these if you do well enough at our games. And so you see that with things like the banner splash art and is it's meant to mimic the anticipation you feel when you roll on a slot machine. Oh. Yeah. True. It's part slot machine, part striptease. Every <laughs> single frame. Oh fuck! Oh no, we lost oh, Aster! Jennifer Shin got her! No! <laughs> Oh god, the white man is here. Quick, get to Shanghai. Oh my god. Okay, so we just had to storm Mihoyo HQ and rescue rescue Aster from the clutches of Jennifer Shin. So you were saying something about a striptease? Yeah, you were saying about striptease. Yeah, let's go. Let's go keep thinking about that. So. One of the big recent games to really perfect this formula is Overwatch and how those loot boxes animate because you don't pop the box open and immediately see what you get. You have the anticipation, the unveiling, the rays of light shooting into the air telling you what the rarity is, but you still don't know what you have. You have to wait a couple more seconds and then it goes through them one by one. You see, oh man, that one's a purple, that one's a gold, what's it gonna be? That rarity color too, just like the split second between when it pops and when you're trying to like discern like which colors do I see? Do I see any colors that I want to see? Like that is just yeah, like is it, is it purple or is it gold? Like that's yeah. the anticipation. Yeah, like the rarities from shit to good in, in Genshin and in most games, I think they go from blue to purple to gold. And that is why the comet it doesn't just it's not gold if you roll a rare. It goes through the progression from blue to purple to gold. And you have seen this animation so many times, your mind knows if this is purple for one more frame, then I got a four star. If it keeps changing color past that frame, it's a five star. And it just becomes this show that also is a spectator sport. Like literally when any of us rolls, we're all like, can I watch? Because it is exciting to, you know, see that star shoot across the screen and you chant and you're like, come on, fuck, Jennifer, please, please, you can't do this to us. Lord, have mercy. She's How did she get up here? Did she have like a tall ass ladder? Jennifer Shin, CEO of Mihoyo, get out of here. Boy, the Genshin police are so mad at us right every now. Time, every time all she talk about something bad happens. Bam. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> now i actually have to fact <laughs> but yeah like the unveiling of what you get is so much of a show that like other people are going to want to watch it just like the flashing lights and the colors and stuff at a casino is all part of this like almost overwhelming audio visual experience that makes you want to stay in it true i mean that's why a lot of people tune into those like bunch of youtubers that have like hours and hours 
not just their pools but also guest pools mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh. it's not it doesn't work on everyone but sometimes like it does get some people to actually go you know what what if it's my turn to be happy yeah and yeah, then they yeah. like get a debate it's like when you're getting like every single trick in the book like thrown at you one of them is going to land you know yeah, yeah. sadly that is going to be it for this episode but we hope you come back next time we continue our conversation with aster about the factors that get people hooked on genshin we'll be looking at the social and parasocial aspects of Genshin's addictive appeal, as well as why some of its whales actually feel like they're getting their money's worth. And if you enjoyed this episode, and you haven't already yet, why don't you give it a like and subscribe to us? It'll really help us get out there into that algorithm, and then you won't miss the very, very cool next episode. So we hope to see you real soon in the Shade Chamber.